We are all facing one of the most unique challenges of our lives in COVID-19. And we've been at this long enough now, over the last month to six weeks, that whether most of us want to admit it or not, it's starting to wear on us. The social distancing, uh, at times the sense of isolation, all the changes that we are facing. Uh, You go to the grocery store or anywhere and you get a real sense. People are walking around with masks on, trying to keep their distance from each other, etc., and it's, it starts to wear on you after a while. We're all experiencing, in one way or another, what is called adjustment disorder. And that is the routines and the order that we had in our lives just back in February, in the first part of March. That order is gone. And so we're having to adjust, and that adjustment is creating a lot of disorder in our lives. And if you're like me, it's beginning to dawn on you that whenever the bands are lifted and we're able to go back out, that it's not going to be like just flipping a switch and life is going to return to the way it was a number of weeks ago. That some of the changes are going to probably be permanent changes. Some of the adjustments are going to have to become part of our routine. And that this pandemic isn't just going to mysteriously quickly go away. We're going to be dealing with parts of it for a while. And that presents us with a challenge. But I want to say to you this morning that a challenge is different from a problem. A problem, we sit and we stare at it. And we become mesmerized by it. And we don't really have a solution for it. It freezes us. It conquers us. A challenge, on the other hand, has the potential to bring out something new in us. To bring out the best in us. If we will face a challenge and even struggle through a challenge, we will discover what God has already placed in us To face that challenge. We will become better people. Because of the challenge. And we will discover that God is in the midst of us. And he is at work. Today I'm going to begin a new series of messages. Called facing the challenges. The life of Joshua. Joshua was a man who was called by God to begin leading the nation of Israel at a very critical time in their history. And Joshua faced, as he began and moved out as a leader, what could have been a lot of problems. But instead, because of how Joshua approached what was in front of him, he approached him not as problems, but as challenges. And he found the presence and the work of God in his life and all around him as he approached what he approached as a challenge, not a problem. Now, as we move through these messages week by week, I want you to evaluate on a scale of 1 to 10 where you are in the current challenge that we're facing. One being you are totally depressed, out of it, 
down in the dumps, you name it. And ten being that you are on top of the world. You're just ready to jump out of bed every morning and go after it. Five, of course, is you're sort of in the middle. Now, granted, this COVID-19 is one challenge. A lot of us have got some other challenges floating around. And the COVID-19 crisis can sort of feed in to those other challenges that we're facing. So all in all in life right now, between one and ten, one is you're down and ten, you're on top of the world. Where would you see yourself? And each week we're going to ask ourselves that question. Where are we on that scale? Between 1 and 10. We're also going to be evaluating where Joshua is week by week. And one of the things that we're going to see as we move through the life of Joshua is Joshua is going to move all over that scale. Sometimes as followers of Jesus, we have the feeling that, man, if I really love the Lord and I'm following the Lord, that I'm going to be a 10 all the time. A, that's not reality, and B, that's not what the Christian life is about. So we're going to see how Joshua moves back and forth on that scale just as you and I move back and forth on that scale. The issue is not beating yourself up because if you're on the lower end of the scale or feeling like, man, I really got a, you know, control of things because I'm on the high end of the scale. The issue is understanding where I am, being realistic about it, and then hearing the challenge that God has for me to move wherever He wants me to move. Now, I'd like for you to turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 31. Deuteronomy chapter 31, where we're going to begin the story of Joshua. The story of Joshua begins in Deuteronomy, not with the book of Joshua, because Deuteronomy begins to take us into Joshua's life. Joshua's life is inextricably woven into that of Moses. Moses, as you will recall, was the great leader of the nation of Israel. He led them out of Egyptian bondage and into up to the promised land. He took them through 40 years of wilderness wanderings. Moses, never been a leader quite like Moses. But when we come to the 31st chapter of the book of Deuteronomy, Moses is in the process of giving what are called four discourses. He's gathered the whole nation of Israel in front of him. And he gives four discourses. Each of these discourses basically is to prepare the people that he is getting ready to retire He is getting ready to die. He knows that. God has told them. Your time as leader is just about over with. And you are going to be passing off the scene. And so he's trying to prepare the people. He's 120 years of age. And this is the fourth discourse, the final discourse that he has with the people. Joshua has been presented and prepared by Moses and the folks to move in To become the new leader of the nation of Israel. He is there. He is ready to go. And on this day, if you'd asked Joshua, where are you on a scale of 1 to 10? Joshua would have told him, I'm probably a 10. The easiest day of leadership is the first day that you become a leader. That's the easiest day. You haven't gained any enemies yet. You don't have any opposition yet. Everybody thinks you're the greatest thing. And Joshua's case, Moses was still leading the nation, so he didn't have anything to worry about. Moses still catching the hits. So he's probably the top of the charts that day. But on this day, he's going to begin to face the challenges that God has for him. And on this day, God will challenge Joshua. 
So we're going to look at the challenge that God gives to Joshua. Deuteronomy chapter 31, and we're going to begin with verse 3, and then we're going to drop down to verses 7 and 8. Deuteronomy chapter 31 and verse 3. The Lord your God Himself will go over before you. He will destroy these nations before you, so that you shall dispossess them. And Joshua will go over at your head, as the Lord has spoken. And then to verse 7. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and courageous. For you shall go with this people into the land that the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall put them in possession of it. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. And then over to chapter 34 and verse 9. And Joshua the son of Nun was full of the spirit of wisdom. For Moses had laid his hands on him. So the people of Israel obeyed him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. What is the challenge that the Lord is giving you? Let's look at the challenge that God gave to Joshua. He was challenged first by the companionship of God. He was challenged to recognize God's companionship. And he was challenged to walk with God's companionship. Notice that God first shows him his companionship in his name. The companionship of God is seen in his name. Verse 3 of chapter 31. The Lord your God himself will go over before you. Now let's look at those words that this promise begins with. The Lord your God. The term Lord there, the name Lord there, is the Hebrew name for God as best we can tell pronounced either Yahweh or Jehovah. Every time in the Old Testament you see capital L-O-R-D, know that it is the name best we understand Yahweh for God. It is a fascinating word. It means sustainer, maintainer, establisher. In other words, God is saying, Joshua, I want to challenge you that I will be your sustainer. I will be your maintainer. I will be the one who will establish you. It communicated the continuing activity of God with His people and on behalf of His people. God is saying here, Joshua, I want you to understand that I am at work all around you all the time. Whatever you face... As you lead this nation, I want you to understand that I am around you, and I am sustaining you, and I am going before you. It is the personal name of God that was given to Moses when he first encountered God in the desert. Go back with me to the book of Exodus, and that story when Joshua, excuse me, Moses as a fairly young man had walked into the desert that day taking care of his father-in-law's flock. And he saw this bush that was burning, but it wasn't consumed. Got up his curiosity. And so he decided, I'm going to go over and see what's going on with this bush. It's 
on fire, but it's not consumed. And he walked over there, and as he walked over there, this voice came out of the bush and said, Joshua, excuse me, Moses, take off your shoes for the place that you're walking is holy ground. Now follow what God was doing there. He was saying, Moses, come close to me. Come on over here to the bush. I don't want you to stand back from a distance from me. I want you to come close. Moses, I want you to take your shoes off because you're on holy ground. But God didn't tell Moses you're on holy ground, so get off of holy ground and step aside and look at holy ground from a distance. He said, Moses, I want you to get on the holy ground. Take your shoes off out of respect that you're on holy ground, but also take your shoes off so that there's nothing separating your feet of flesh from my holy ground. And then at that place, God gave him his name. You see, what God was doing there is he was saying to Moses, Moses, I I want you to be close to me and I want to be close to you. And Moses, I'm giving you my name because I want you to know my name and I want you to be close to me, Moses. And when you reach out to me, I don't want you to feel like I'm some ethereal God that's flowing around in the sky somewhere that you can't understand or relate to. You've got a name now, Moses, and you've got a presence now, Moses. And for decades after that, Moses, every time he got frustrated, he'd say, Yahweh. Every time that he was overwhelmed, he would call out Yahweh. In fact, in the Semitic origins of this word, it literally means to cry out to someone. To cry out even with excitement. Well, Moses stood in front of the Red Sea and watched God parted it. He said, Yahweh, look what you have done. When God gave him the Ten Commandments, he said, Yahweh, when God called him to talk to him face to face, he knew who he was talking to face to face. When he was overwhelmed at the sin of his people and so discouraged, I have no doubt he said in prayer, Yahweh, I I need to walk on holy ground because I've been on ground that's saturated with sin. And now, as Moses prepares to die, He looks at Joshua and he says, the same God, the same Yahweh who has been my best friend, who has walked with me every step of the way from that desert, the same one that I have walked on holy ground with, that is the same God who's going to be personal to you and a best friend to you and walk with you and carry you through every challenge and will be at work around you. Oh, Joshua, feel free to walk on holy ground with him. Joshua, feel free to use his name over and over again. The Lord, your God. God. In Hebrew, it is Elohim. It means the strong one. The one who is above us who is above this world, who is above and beyond the time frame in which we live. It is in Hebrew what's called a pearl, excuse me, a plural of majesty that's like a pearl. 
It means that He is majestic and He is holy over and over and over again. And yes, it also implies that God, Elohim, is full of mystery. He keeps us curious. You see, Moses for decades had walked with a God that he never quite fully understood. A God that that kept him curious. That kept him asking questions and probing into who God was and why God did what he did. A God that, the God that overwhelmed him. And God who would sometimes frustrated the life out of him. Joshua, Elohim is going to go before you. And he's going to seem mysterious. And you're going to have to ask questions about him and of him every day. And you're going to probe who he is. And you're going to get frustrated by him at times. And you're going to feel overwhelmed at the things he asks you to do and who he is. But because he is Yahweh Elohim, you will fall before him and worship him. Joshua, he will go over before you. And you will worship him no matter what you face. That's how you stay at it, Joshua. He is your strong one. Notice verse 8. It is the Lord who goes before you. Again, the idea of that name, Lord Yahweh, is I am present, is what I am. It is the Lord. I stick to you. Have you ever gotten up maybe for breakfast or a meal? And this happens to me all the time. And I'm going to use honey on bread or a biscuit or whatever. I love honey on any kind of roll, you name it. But I don't know if you have this problem, but every time I use honey, it gets on my fingers. And then everything that I touch sticks to everything else. I get stuck to the bread. I get stuck to the table. Everything that I touch, I just get stuck to it because of that honey. And what God is saying here when he says that he is the Lord that's present, that's who I am. And he's saying, I'm going to be like honey. I'm going to be stuck to you. No matter where you go, I'm going to be stuck to you. Verse 8, he says, I will be with you. He repeats the promise to stress certainty. He says, I will not leave you. Now, the word in Hebrew translated leave there is a fascinating word. It means to be loosened, to relinquish. And what he's saying here is, I won't lose my grip on your life. You're going to be, I'm just going to hold you no matter what. You will not loosen the grip on your life. He says, I will not forsake you. Now, the word translated there, forsake, is a fascinating word too because it means that God's saying, I'm not going to get lazy on you. I'm not going to slack up on you. God never looks at our lives, no matter how frustrated He may get with our lives. He never looks at us and says, hey, today I'm just going to you know, get lazy on you and I'm just going to check out on you. I'm going to slack up in what I'm doing. He says, I'm going to go to the distance with you. You never have to worry about me. 
checking out on you. His companionship is seen in his name. Second, his companionship is seen in his leadership. Verse 3, he says, I will go over before you. When you cross over from one side to the other, I'm going to go before you. Have you ever been hiking with a friend? And you didn't know where you were going. And they did. And you just followed them. They went before you. And sometimes you come to some places and they're not exactly sure where to go. We love to take company that comes to visit us to Wade Park. And if you take one of the trails at Wade Park, there's an area where you have to go over a creek. And then you have to circle through a cornfield and, and back up the other side. And often when we get to that creek area, it's not real clear as to how you're supposed to wade the creek. And so we'll always stop and, and tell the folks that are with us, this is how you get across the creek. And when you get across the creek, we're going to curve around this cornfield. And then let me tell you where, where we're going from there. Now, we've been here long enough. We know the trails, or at least some of them. And so we can direct them where to go. They're usually sort of hesitant at first. And what he's saying here when he says, I will not, I'm going to go before you, is God is saying, wherever you go in life, I'm out ahead of you. I'm going to see you through it. Listen to me and follow me. I will tell you how to wade the creek. I will tell you how to come around the cornfield. I will tell you how to get to the next place. One of the things that we used to see a lot when we were down in Hampton Roads is that fog would roll in from the ocean. And when it would roll across those bridges often, it was hard to know where you're going because the fog would be so thick. It, but if you knew where the bridge was going, you knew how to get to the other side. And what God is saying here is there are going to be some times, Joshua, that you're going to stand there in the fog. You're not going to know where... Your life is going. You're not going to know how to lead this nation. You're not going to even know how to take one more step. You're going to have to listen to my voice, but know that my voice will be there. Know that I will be there. Know that I will be on the other side. I'm not going to run so far out ahead of you that you can't follow me. I will be on the other side, Joshua, and I will get you to where you're going if you will just listen to my voice and if you'll follow me. That's God's promise to us. That's His leadership. That yes, there are times that we feel like we're in a fog and we don't know where we're going and how we're going to get there. Notice verse 8. It says that He goes before you. He does not run ahead of us. He walks ahead of us. It is the idea of life is a journey. And He walks with us in that journey. He walks before us in that journey. But He stays with us in that journey. That is the promise, that is the challenge of his presence. Now notice God's challenge then to Joshua. First the challenge of his companionship. Now the challenge to be courageous. Notice what he says to Joshua in verse 7. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and courageous. The word strong there means to fasten or to lock into something like radar. And so what he's saying is Joshua... Lock in on God, like radar. You be looking for God. You be listening for God. You lock in on God. 
You discern the presence of God. Listen for the voice of God. But you lock in on Him and you stay in on Him. You see, what gets us in trouble in life is that we don't lock in on God. And so we begin to just shift and go back all over the place. He's saying, Joshua, you be strong. You lock in on God like radar and you stay with Him. And then he says, Joshua will be courageous. The idea of being courageous there is engage. We use the expression, game on. And it's the idea that with God, we get out of the bed in the morning, Lord, it is game on. I am going to be alert to what you're doing. I'm going to be alert to what's going on around me. I am going to be alert to how Satan wants to trip me up and defeat me. You see, when we drop our alertness, that's when we fall. I'm going to be alert, God, to what's going on. It is game on, and I am going to stick with you, God. Now, this courage that he's talking about, is required to know the will of God and to follow the will of God. If you and I are not courageous, we're not going to live out God's will. One of the reasons that Satan loves to use what I call the enemy within, which is the greatest enemy we face, which is fear and intimidation, is that if we are full of fear, if we are intimidated then we don't have courage. And you cannot live out the call of God and the will of God in fear and intimidation. Lose your courage, you and I will lose our ability to live out the call of God and the will of God. And often the greatest courage we need is the courage to face stuff inside of us that we run from, hide from, struggle with, Try to pretend like it's not there. It's facing that stuff on the inside. And facing it down. Why? Because I'm locked in on God. Notice verse 8. He says, do not, be, do not fear or be dismayed. Do not fear or be dismayed. Some interesting ideas here. You know, I've said to you the Hebrew language loves to use word pictures... And that's exactly what he's doing here with the idea of don't be fearful or dismayed. The word fearful there means to have a breakdown. It means to crack up. It's like you're in a panic or you're terrified. Have you ever seen ground that was extremely dry and it's got all those cracks in it? Well, that's the idea here. When I am fearful, I'm cracking up. I'm broken down. It's the idea of a military leader who loses his nerves in the face of an enemy. You go back in Israel's history when the nation of Israel stood before Goliath. And Goliath looked up at him. And Goliath never attacked him. All he did was stand in front of him and intimidate him. And they lost their nerve. That's the idea here that there's a Goliath in front of us. And he's saying, Joshua... Don't let anything cause you to lose your nerve. And the story I told the children today of those three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they knew that God was with them. So they didn't crack up. They didn't run around and panic. They didn't lose it. They didn't lose their nerve. It is the Lord who goes before you. 
He will be with you. He won't leave you nor forsake you. Don't be fearful or be dismayed because he is with you. Those guys knew that whatever they faced and inside the burning fiery furnace, the Lord would be with them. And Jesus showed up and Jesus was there. And that is the, basically the idea. I don't have to crack up in life. I don't have to go into panic because I know that I know that I know that Jesus is with me. Now, chapter 34 and verse 9. The final challenge that God gives to Joshua. Joshua, the son of Nun, was, notice what it says, full of the spirit of wisdom. For Moses had laid his hands on him. And the people of Israel obeyed him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. I want you to see several things here. First of all, it says that Joshua was full of the spirit of wisdom. God equipped him by giving him wisdom. It was not the size of the task. It was the size of the wisdom that God had placed in Joshua. We talked a few moments ago about, he said, don't crack up and break down. Wisdom does not express itself in panic. Wisdom does not express itself in uncontrollable anger. Wisdom does not express itself in defeat. If I'm walking in defeat, if I'm walking with anger controlling me, and if I'm running around in panic, then I'm not living in the wisdom of God. What is this wisdom that he's talking about here? It is walking with the Lord and getting God's perspective and God's leadership on every situation, set of circumstances that I deal with. Now, most of the time, we like to assume that our perspective on a situation is God's perspective. But a whole lot of times, probably the majority of times, our perspective at the very least, is not 100% in line with what God's perspective is. So what I'm doing in life is that I'm walking through life and I'm trying to walk with the Lord. I'm talking with the Lord. I'm listening to God. And I'm getting His perspective. Last Sunday, talked about the day of the resurrection, Jesus was walking with two of His disciples. They didn't recognize Him. On the road to Emmaus. They were all down. If you'd asked them where they were on the scale, they would have said they were a one. Depressed. Because they thought it was all over with with Jesus. They were not walking in wisdom. They were walking in panic and depression. And Jesus showed up and Jesus began to talk with them. And as they walked with Jesus, and as they asked Him questions... And as they listened to Jesus, everything changed. And this is the idea of this wisdom. Walking with Jesus and listening, really listening to Jesus. It is taking His Word and allowing His Word to become alive inside of you in a part of who you and I are. 
Let me give you some advice. If you want to walk in wisdom, in particular, take the book of Proverbs and read it over and over and over again. And let it sink into who you are. There are 31 chapters in Proverbs. If you read one chapter a day, you can go through the whole book in a month. And just do that over and over and over again. And let that wisdom seep into who you are and guide you in the decisions that you make. And the book of Proverbs speaks to all kinds of issues. Financial, relational, how to deal with anger. I mean, you name it. It's in the book of Proverbs. If you and I will learn to live out of the book of Proverbs, it will amaze you how much your relationships will straighten out, how much finances will straighten out, how much life in general, because we're walking in the wisdom of God when we walk in the wisdom that He gives us in the book of Proverbs. People sometimes get in situations, I need a word from God, I need a word from God, what's God's will in this situation, how should I handle this situation, etc. We particularly say that when we get in conflict with people. I need a word from God. You don't need a word from God, you already got a word from God. You see, we go around so many times saying we need a word from God, and God's saying you're ignoring the word I already gave you. So pay attention to the word that I've already placed in front of you. And if you and I would live out of this book of Proverbs, we will be, you'll be just amazed and blown away at the wisdom that God has already given you in the book of Proverbs to live by and to live with. Now, notice the second thing he says here. Joshua the son of Nun was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. So the people of Israel, what did they do? They obeyed him, that is Joshua, and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. They had two spiritual leaders. Joshua, whom they obeyed, and Moses, who was passing off the scene. But they did as Moses had commanded. What, what, what is going on here? God had given to the nation of Israel Moses and Joshua as two spiritual leaders. And what did the people do? They obeyed them, they followed them, they listened to them. They did not blow them off. They had learned a lesson the hard way by how they had blown Moses off years earlier. And one generation literally had died off because of their disobedience. Folks, when God places, and God places spiritual leadership in your life, it's for a purpose. And the purpose is to listen. We listen to spiritual leadership. We listen to His Word and follow as spiritual leadership leads. And when you and I blow off the spiritual leadership that God has placed in our lives. When we decide that we're not going to listen to the leadership that God has put there. And I have noticed that folks who blow off spiritual leadership pretty much blow off the word as they blow off the leadership. That's not going to walk in wisdom and you're headed for a train wreck. What is God's challenge to you today? What is God's challenge to you? He challenges us first with His companionship. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. 
I'm going to walk right beside you. I'm going to be Yahweh, personal in your life, Elohim, the one who is great and powerful and over everything in your life, including this pandemic. And he's going to challenge you to then move out and be courageous, to lock in on him like radar. And to say, Lord, I'm going to walk with you and I'm going to serve you no matter what. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we want to thank you this morning that you have promised to walk with us. That Jesus, we want to walk with you. With our heads bowed and right there where you are, wherever you're listening, I just want to say to you this morning that if you've never given your life to Jesus and you will commit to following him and serving him and walking with him, that I want to encourage you to pray from right where you are and say, Dear Lord Jesus, I ask that you would come into my life. I ask that you would be my Lord and my Savior. And Jesus, I commit to following you and serving you. And Jesus, I praise you. Thank you for loving me. Lord, we thank you for the challenge that you're giving us of your companionship and the challenge, Lord, that you're giving us to be courageous. In your name we pray. Amen. I want to encourage you, if you have prayed to trust Jesus as your Savior and or you want to just grow in your Christian life, to contact us. We have a book that we would like to send to you. It's called Living in Christ. It takes you through the Gospel of John. It will have both the Gospel of John verses for you to memorize, a reading plan, and then it will take you through that book and help you grow as a believer in Jesus And so please contact us through our website, through calling the church office, and we've got the contact information that's going to come on the screen there, Uh, or you can write, and we will be more than happy to put this in the mail to you and send it to you to help you grow in your relationship with the Lord. Next week, we're going to continue in our life of Joshua. The message title is Challenged by God's Promises from Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. Challenged by the promises of God. Look forward to joining you Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. God bless you and have a great Lord's Day and a great week in Jesus.